hello, hello, welcome. It is seven o'clock mountain time and uh, it's a Wednesday. So I guess that means we're doing a live stream. I'm Dan, um, I'm your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com and I am happy to be here with you tonight. So I'm going to put a little chat in here to get things started. And we're off. So glad you're here. Um, welcome everybody. Hopefully tonight we don't have all those insidious buffer problems that we had last week. I did mess with some settings that I hope will make things better. So we'll see. Doug, welcome. What's up? Glad you're here. Um, so I just want to preemptively address the beard because I, I know people are going to ask about it. No, it's not a fashion statement. I haven't gone hipster. Um, it's, this is, this is not like a plan to manscape anything. This is just what my face looks like when I get really busy and shaving goes out the window. Tilapia, welcome. Glad you made it this time. Glad you're here. Welcome aboard. Um, so yeah, so the beard's not intentional. The beard's not something that's going to stay. It's just been a crazy couple weeks. So, um, so hence, hence the beard. Um, <laughs> it's, it's at that stage where it's like so itchy. It's the most horrible stage for anyone that's going to grow a beard. Just know you have to get through like the quarter inch to half inch phase before it gets good. Once you pass that, then it's fine. But there's this horrible, itchy, irritating stage. And the worst part is, is when I'm wearing a hoodie and it's zipped up that it will, um, it'll like catch <laughs> in the zipper and pull and it's just horrible aqua apprentice hello welcome 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 start with shrimp all right doug well we can do that peter little rock lurking away glad you're here peter so um doug is there something specific about shrimp you're wondering uh let me know and i can get into that is it brine shrimp we're talking about or neocaridina or caridina or grammaris or uh let me know what you want to know exactly and i can talk about that um what I did want to do, though, is um, oh, for those who are, are kind of new here, the basically how I do this format is we're going to just I'm going to answer an email that I got about breeding rainbow fish. Then after that, we'll kind of just go through the chat. And when we reach the end of the chat, we'll end the stream. So it could be five minutes. It could be an hour. You know, I don't know. But we'll just keep the party rolling as long as the party's there. Um, Something that I'm really interested in is I love breeding aquarium fish and raising them. That's the part of the hobby that, that excites me. So kind of how I have a lot of things set up is, is towards that end. And I'm really interested in hearing about anyone out there that has a breeding project going, um, anyone that's raised any or bred any fish since last week, uh, what have you had spawn in your tanks or those that um, have spawns that we've been talking about for a week or two. How are they coming along? Are they doing okay? Um, are you having trouble that you need help through? Anything like that. So anything about fish breeding, I really like talking about. But we can also just talk about, you know, just general aquarium stuff. If anyone has a question, I am more than happy to answer it if I feel like I know how to help you. Um, and if not, I'll just apologize and say, sorry, I can't help you. So that's kind of the format tonight. Flappia! <laughs> Wait, wait. Okay. Oh, got it. I'm, I'm rolling up. Lucas is rubbing off on you. He rubs off on anyone. How could you not? 
You know, you watch that guy, L.R. Bretz, and you're going to have a beard the next day. That's just what happens. Yes, the fish Jesus has rubbed off on me. <laughs> Hello, Aqua Apprentice. Welcome. Already, I already welcomed you. So welcome again, I guess. Uh, Morgan. Hey, welcome, Morgan. Glad you're here. Hey, Dan the man. Hey, everybody. Can't stay. The niece is visiting again. I haven't tried the copper on my thin discus yet. I was halfway through deworming, but I'm working on it. All right, Morgan, uh, let us know how it goes. Um, and, you know, the, the sooner you, if you're going to do it, the sooner you start, the better your odds. But say hi to the niece for us and have a good time. I'm going to have to, like, invent a niece. So anytime I want to get out of a situation, I can be like, oh, sorry, my niece needs me. Like, what I think I'll call her, like, Roberta. Roberta needs me. That's, that's my five-year-old niece, Roberta. We have just invented her. And um, if I ever say Roberta needs me and I've got to run, you know what's really going on. Um, all right. Doug's Fish Adventure. I found out I have a male and female Australian rainbow. Oh, good. Um, so are they spawning for you? Is that how you found out? Or did you just, uh, did they settle in enough that the color difference and finnage length and stuff is, is more apparent? Um, or hopefully it's because they're spawning for you. Wait, I didn't you, weren't you already spawning them? I can't remember. Maybe you were just thinking about it. Hangar, hello. Hangar, glad you made it. Welcome. Aqua Apprentice. Well, it will take two, well, I will take two welcomes. All right. Welcome again, Aqua Apprentice. There, now, now you have three. How's that? Um, <laughs> Tilapia Store, hit the like button. Yes, please do hit the like button if you like. That would be great. Share it around. Let's get some people in here. Um, I, I, I need to do a little more to keep, to make this, I think, hit a critical mass. We've got enough people here that it's fun, but the more we get in, the more we can talk and the longer it can go and the more interesting it'll be. And a lot of that's on me. It's just uh, been too busy to shave. Like I'm lucky if I get to shower, eat three meals and sleep, you know, these last couple of weeks, it's been insanely busy and it'll be that way through the end of the month for me. Um, I have to travel the 18th to the 24th. I'll be in Spokane, <clears throat> Spokane, Washington, traveling for business. And there's some other work stuff that I won't go into and bore you about. Um, but so I've got travel to plan for. Um, and I've never been to Spokane before, so I'm excited about that. And a bunch of deadlines. And then there's this thing that I, I can't talk about yet, but I'm really excited about that I'll tell you all about as soon as I can. Um, I'm Me and a partner, we're, we're working on something that I think is going to be really cool for the fish community. Um, but I can't. I can't divulge what it is yet. I'm sworn to secrecy. So, so my real job, my fish job, and then this other project on top of being a father and a husband is just busy. But that's okay. I'd hate to be bored. I don't have that problem. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Oh, so I'm so busy that I haven't done. I've got a bunch of videos that I just need to do a final edit of, of just about every fish that I have in here. I've done like a species spotlight on. Um, and I have those videos. I just have to do the final edit and the voiceover, and then I can get those out. So my hope is to start doing a couple of those a week, um, if I can. And then, you know, just that kind of constant contact, hopefully get more people in here. So this gets a little more lively, but I, I've just been too busy. Like just the, the once a week live stream right now is about all I can handle, but I'm working on it. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure. 
grew to size. Oh, good. So the Australian rainbows got big. Now you know you have a male and female. Um, I bet you if you can sex them, I bet they're already spawning for you. Um, I find that rainbow fish will spawn really young. There might not be a lot of eggs, but they'll definitely start breeding pretty young. Uh, Peter, the male rainbow brought home flowers. <laughs> and that's how we know. Yes, yes, exactly. Tilapia store rainbows are the bomb. I agree. They're awesome fish. They're hardy. They're active. They're colorful. Um, if there's And there's so many kinds. There's tiny little ones that are, you know, maybe an inch or so. And then there's big ones that are six inches. So you can you can have your your pick of what you want if you have a small aquarium or a big aquarium you, rainbows are great and they're they're easy to breed too speaking of breeding rainbows uh, let me answer the email that was emailed to me by David and I won't reveal his last name just because not everyone wants to uh, have their things broadcast but um, says hey Dan got a question for you I bred my rainbows and now have fry in a 10 gallon. They sure are small. What do you feed yours? I put in some brine shrimp, but was wondering if I should put something else. I hope they make it. So I get questions about breeding rainbow fish a ton. And I think I get a lot of questions probably because rainbow fish are so easy to spawn that people are constantly getting eggs. And so it's like, oh, no, they get the eggs. What do I do with that? And then once the eggs hatch and they suddenly have fry and they see how small they are, then I think suddenly it's like, oh man, what do I do? Um, and so the challenge with a lot of the species is just that the fry are so small. And so um, David and I have talked a bit about this, but my response to him is, and to everyone else with that question, is basically a lot of the species of rainbow fish are just going to be too small to take baby brine shrimp right away. Um, you can try it, but the way you know if they're eating is if their bellies get nice and full and turn a different color. So if they're eating the baby brine shrimp, their bellies will get distended and they'll become either an orange or a white color uh, or a peach color, depending on, the depending on the strain of brine shrimp you're feeding. Um, and there are some strains of brine shrimp that are smaller at hatching than others. The Great Salt Lake brine shrimp, the, the Utah brine shrimp, is bigger than the San Francisco brine shrimp. And then there's also eggs that are sourced from Russia and from China and a lot of places. And I really don't know the size dynamic of those different ones. But if you have to use brine shrimp, uh, hint number one is use San Francisco brine shrimp eggs to hatch. The other hint is feed them as quickly after hatching as you can because um, they absorb their yolk sac and get more developed as time goes on and they get bigger, but also their nutritional value drops. So for small, small fish like rainbows, feeding right away is helpful. So if you've tried the brine shrimp and the bellies aren't distended and, and, and colored the color of brine shrimp, you know that that species is not gonna be able to take baby brine shrimp right away. And that's true of a lot of rainbow fish, um, especially the Melitania species and stuff. It's almost like the bigger the rainbow fish, the smaller the eggs. And that's, that's just a broad generalization. That's not completely true all the times, but often that's true. So, so the key to rainbow fish I've found, the small species, is feed them super small food. And as, as some of you know, I use the golden pearls, uh, five microns to 50 microns. So it's, it's just a really fine powder. 
and I just take my finger, I dip it in there, get a little on my finger and just sprinkle it across the top of the uh, container that I keep them in. And then I also put in vinegar eels. So they almost constantly have vinegar eels and this fine pout swimming around in the water. And vinegar eels are so thin that they can usually eat them. And then this really fine powder food across the top of the water, which even the smallest fry can eat. I feed them three to four times a day. Um, and just every time you're going to put food in, change the water first and change like all of it. Like just leave enough in there that the fry aren't dry. <laughs> so dump as much of that water out as you can without stranding the fry on a dry surface. Refill it with aged tap water or whatever you use, but really clean water that doesn't have chlorine and stuff in it. And just do that be before you feed each time. And if you do, then I found that within a week or so, they're plenty big to take baby brine shrimp and then raising them as a breeze. Um, once they take baby brine shrimp, they, they start growing really rapidly for a spurt until they get maybe a quarter inch and then they slow down a bit. And then they get about half inch and they go through another spurt. And then they, that's kind of rainbow fish. So, so for everyone that has that question, um, keep them in a, a smaller, smallish container. Um, I put some snails in there to eat leftovers, some shrimp as well, and just make sure there's food in front of them all the time and that the water's kept really clean. And that's the game for breeding any species of fish really, is how do you keep food in front of them while maintaining clean water? That's the challenge. And what it comes down to is A, overfeeding, because you want a lot of food in front of the fish. And if they're tiny, they're not necessarily gonna swim around a ton and be able to find widely scattered food items. And since you're feeding so much, you just have to change the water a lot. And the more you can change the water and keep food in front of them, the more rapidly they'll grow, the more success you'll have in general. So, so that's my, my email answer of the week. That was for David. Thanks for asking the question, David. If anyone else runs into anything um, between now and, and next Wednesday when the next live stream is, you can send me an email. Um, feel free to ask any question you want. Uh, and it's, I don't mind answering at all. I'm happy to do it. And it also lets me know kind of what people are thinking and what troubles people are having or questions they might have. So it helps me know what to talk about on the live stream a little bit. So I appreciate it. Um, okay, back to the chat. Um, Aqua Apprentice, what fish did you start the hobby with? So um, the fish that really got me in the hobby was killifish. And the first killifish I really had good success with was uh, at the time it was called Fundalopanchax gardneri. Now it's, uh, or at the time it was called Aphiosimian gardneri, sorry. Now it's called Fundalopanchax gardneri. Um, sometimes you'll see some of them classified as Fundalopanchax nigerianus. Um, that, that whole group. So the first one I ever bred in significant numbers, I'll never forget I got from Ed Warner, who is one of the godfathers of the American Killifish Association, one of the, um, well, I don't know if he ever held office in the American Killifish Association. I'm pretty sure he did, but for, for decades, he raised lots and lots of killifish. And now his wife, Ruth Warner, is the matriarch. She's still doing it. At least I think she's still around. I haven't talked to Ruth or ordered fish from the Warners for several years now, 
but for um, for a couple decades, I, I ordered frequently from them. And I got a pair of Fundalo Panchax uh, Garden Rye, the Joe's Plateau location. Joe Plateau, Joe's Plateau, I think it's J-O-S. And then like Plateau, basically, is the location. And they're beautiful, they're hardy, and they just spawned a ton. And I raised a ton of them. And that got me hooked. Just like a lot of people that get in the fish hobby start with guppies um, or something like that. So they're in the tank and suddenly there's babies and it's like it blows your mind, right? And then the babies grow up and, and now you're never going to be without fish in your life because that's an awesome experience. What did that for me was was Gardner Achille fish. I still love them. If I had to, I don't know, people are ask the question frequently, what fish could you keep? Would you keep if you could only keep one fish? And it's hard for me to, to really answer that. But the one that keeps popping in my mind is, is Fundalo Panchax Garden Ray. I just love that fish. Now that's not a serious answer. I'd have to put some real thought into that. Um, if that, <laughs> if that was ever a real scenario, which it won't be, but, um, so that's the fish that really got me started. Now, before I had them though, my brother got a 10 gallon aquarium and that's how I got introduced to fish. Uh, we were at like a, a thrift store, secondhand store. There was a 10 gallon aquarium with the under gravel filter and the clown puke gravel and the incandescent light hood and all that stuff uh, from back in the nineties. And well, the tank was probably from the eighties, but we bought it in the nineties and he got that. And I don't remember all the fish in it, um, but I remember sword tails were in it and I really liked them. I remember Rosie Barb was in it. I think there were probably some uh, Aeneas catfish, the bronze, not the albino, but the wild type. Um, and I think there were some T-bone rasboras in there. That's what I remember. There might've been other stuff, but, but I saw his tank, I loved it. So I set up a few tanks and um, yeah, but early, early on, I got the killifish, and that's what solidified that hobby for me. Um, and I was really lucky because the owner of the local fish store was a member of the American Killifish Association. So I went in one time, and I, I had read these old Axelrod, Dr. Herbert Axelrod books, and any information I could find, which was all old and outdated. And they try to come up with these common names Really, Achilles go by the scientific name pretty much, but they try to come up with these common names and they called Nothobronchius racavi the fire Achilles. <laughs> I remember that and I saw a picture of that and that, that thing blew my mind. I mean, they're as pretty as saltwater fish if you don't know what the Nothobronchius genus looks like. Let me type it and put it in chat so you can look it up. Nothobronchius. Um, so Nothobronchius racavi was the one, I believe, was the picture that in whatever Mickey Mouse TFH Tropical Fish Hobbies book I was looking at, um, they had a picture of, and I saw that thing, and it was so beautiful that I wanted one. But it was also so beautiful that I imagined it would be like $300 or something. But So I went to the local fish store, um, and... The owner's name was Keith. And I was like, hey, Keith, can you get me any killifish? And he was like, yeah, I'm a member of the American Killifish Association. <laughs> you know, yay, small world. So um, I was like, how about some fire killies? I just remember he had no idea what he was talking about. So I was like, what about steel blue killies? Because that's what the book called 
Funnel of Panchak's Garden Rye, which are also beautiful. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> like, what's the, what's the species name? And I was like, I don't know, Steel Blue Killy? I don't know. Um, and so um, I eventually brought in the book and showed him some pictures and he was able to get my, me my first Garden Rye. And it was two Garden Rye. The location was a Kerr, A-K-U-R, maybe an E on the end. Um, that one's really common and there's even an albino form of that fish too, I think. It's one of the more common garden rye, or it used to be. Um, but he could get me two males. He ordered a pair, I got two males, but I saw him live and that was awesome. And then I ended up getting the, uh, a couple pairs of the Joe's Plateau from Ed Warner, like I said, and, um, and yeah, that was it. They spawned, they were awesome and I loved them ever since. So that's probably more information, uh, Aqua Apprentice, than you wanted, but that's that's kind of the story. Um, and if anyone out there knows if Ruth Warner is still around, um, if you could throw it in the chat, I'd love to know. I, I got to look that up. I haven't talked to her or ordered from her in years, so I don't know if she's still around or not. Um, all right, next thing. Viola hops a lot. Hello. Hello, Viola. Um, so do you play the Viola? Is that is that how the name came or is it like... The magic viola is it like i'm just curious about the name viola hops a lot and i don't think i asked that yet if i did forgive me if you've already answered that question but um yeah 54 punchy welcome glad you are here and i'm trying to find your chat which i lost hey hey fishy internet peoples well hey 54 punchy peoples welcome um dub rexy 21 not fish but i have a substantial amount of new growth on my plants Awesome. Uh, what kind of plants are they? And are they a fast growing plant? Is it like stem plants where you're getting like an inch a day? Or is it like a, a nubius that a year later, it's like, hey, that's twice as big. Like what kind of plants are you doing? Flynn, welcome Flynn. So glad you're here. Um, Tilapia store, 450 micron. All right. Um, I'm going to scroll up to see what that's in reference to. And I don't know. So I'm sure that makes sense to other people in the chat who know what, <laughs> what Tilapia is talking about when he says 50, 450 micron, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. Hangar, <clears throat> do you have to use brine shrimp the day they hatch? Can you use them over the course of a few days? So yeah, you can. Um, so what I do is ideally you would always feed the brine shrimp right when they hatch because they haven't absorbed their yolk sac yet. So there's a lot of fat in the yolk sac. And so there's a lot of energy in that. And if you feed that to the fry, it'll help them grow really quick. So that's the reason to feed brine shrimp right away nutritionally. If you're feeding really small fry, the reason to feed them that as well is because they're smaller when they're freshly hatched. Um, they haven't quite developed as long of a, I don't know, what are these little things, the little flippers that they swim around with and they aren't quite as elongated. Um, and so if you feed them right away, you're getting better nutrition and they're smaller so you can feed smaller fry. But not all of us have the time to do that, including me. So Hangar, what I usually do is I'll start my brine shrimp eggs. Um, like I started a batch last night they're going to be ready to harvest tomorrow morning because this in the room in here is like in the mid seventies. So they don't hatch real quickly. Um, so tomorrow morning I'll come in, they'll be pretty much freshly hatched. And so I will harvest at that point. 
I'll put them in um, this, just a little shoe box, little plastic shoe box with a lid. Um, well, I'll feed and then, but I'll have a lot more than I need. So the ones that are left over, I'll put in a plastic shoe box with a lid and I'll put it in the fridge. And it's probably got a quarter inch, half an inch of water. You want a lot of surface area when you do that. And I can feed that for the next two to three days. Um, they'll last quite a while in the fridge because that slows down their metabolism. Now, by the time I'm doing the last feeding, like say it's been three days since the, since the hatch date, they're probably pretty low on nutrition. They've probably absorbed their yolk sac completely or almost completely. And they're actually at the point where the next day they might be starving. Um, and I don't know exactly if that's three days or four days or whatever, but the point is that the longer I go, the less nutrition they have. But um, I'll often do that because oftentimes I'm feeding my fry more than one food. It's not just brine shrimp. So um, I don't have to worry if they aren't getting the perfect nutrition out of the brine shrimp because I'm also feeding other foods to supplement that lack. So, so yes, I, I find that you can definitely do that. They're at the highest point in nutrition freshly hatched, but yeah, as long as they're alive, you can feed them. That's not a problem. Um, and then what I do also, this is another trick with brine shrimp. So, so I, I harvest the brine shrimp at the bottom the morning they hatch, and but I only drain about half the water and I collect the majority of them because they're on the bottom, but I only drain about half the water. And then I leave it bubbling for until lunchtime or dinner whenever I can get back to them. And, um, and I'll get another hatch out of them because not all the eggs hatch at one time. So harvest what you got and then let them keep bubbling and you'll get a second batch um, that you can use. So yeah, um, I feed them over the course of a few days. Sure, the nutrition's not as high and they're a little bigger, but I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. Yeah. Javier, hi, Dan. What's the word? The word is futile. That's the word of the day. And I don't know why that one came in my mind. That's like a depressing word. Uh, oh, well, that's what popped in my mind. Futile, word of the day. It is futile to not to buy another tank during the dollar per gallon sale. Yeah, that'll work. Um, all right, so... <clears throat> Let me get a sip of water here. And I lost the chat, so I got to scroll back up. It's, I don't know if your guys' chat does this, but I'll be like looking at the chat and suddenly it'll jump. And I, I've lost the question, so I've got to go back up. Well, so far it looks like the stream is good. Like it's not buffering and things. So... Um, if it does start doing that, let me know. But on my end, it looks like we're actually doing fine this week, which is great. I, I changed some settings and um, cleared some caches, which were taking some memory and stuff like that. So I, I think I figured out as long as I restart the computer <laughs> before every live stream, then I, I think that helps take care of the problem uh, along with, you know, changing some settings and things. So um, I don't know if that works for other people, but if you live stream and you're like, man, what's happening? If you haven't restarted in a while, it might help. Just, you know, resets everything. 54 Punchy, I have dwarf anchor catfish. Well, that's good because when I first looked at that comment, I thought you were going to say you had anchor worms. I'm glad it's dwarf anchor catfish. Hara Gerdoni, eggs. Oh, really? You bred them? That's awesome. I am fixing up a five gallon with cycled sponge to drop them in tonight. 
maybe a little java moss. I have microworm cultures and vinegar eels, 72 degrees like the tank they came from. Any experience with these little guys? I don't have any experience with that fish. All I know is that they're adorable and they're like an inch long. Is that it? And they look like little anchors with their big pectoral fins. But I've never kept them. And I'm really interested in learning from you about how to spawn that fish. Um, and are they the little one inch little guys? I think that's probably the ones you're talking about. So I have some questions for you if you wouldn't mind uh, dropping some answers below. Is, are the eggs tiny? Um, or are they gonna, are they good sized eggs? Um, sometimes small fish have big eggs and that'll make them so much easier to raise. And microworms are probably great because they sink. And I'm imagining that these fish are going to stay at the bottom. Um, it, a little java moss. Yeah, always. It can't hurt. And the java moss has just little organisms growing in it, um, that, that can't hurt. A couple snails in there would be great. Um, like just, just any fish you're ra raising, that's generally the, a good combination. Um, but I want to, how big are the eggs? And I want to hear all about this. So like next week, um, hopefully they hatch for you and everything. I wish I could help you, but that's a species I've never even kept, let alone bred. In fact, I've never seen that species live. I've only seen it on videos. Uh, I know Rachel O'Leary had some videos on them and, you know, pictures of them and planet catfish and stuff like that. But um, I've never seen that fish alive that I can remember anyway. So let me know how your experience is. Um, yeah, next week, like how long did it take for them to hatch? Were they tiny um, or were they big enough that they were easy to feed? All those things, because that's a fish I'm, I'm just really curious about. Um, <clears throat> wish I could help you more, 54, but um, yeah, don't, never done it, so. Dank Tank, hey everyone. Well, hey Dank, welcome, welcome. Um, Aqua Apprentice, oh, what's up Dank? <laughs> Viola, no, Hungarian. Oh, Viola is, is Hungarian. Okay. Viola, I also keep adopted house rabbits. Oh, yeah, I think you told me that. I think you told me that. So that's the hops a lot. Okay, cool. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, tilapia, brine shrimp. Oh, 450 microns. Um, so is that the newly hatched size? And then is that Great Salt Lake or is that San Francisco Bay? I'm, I'm curious. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely a lot bigger than like golden pearl, tiny little five to 50 microns. So yeah, <laughs> so imagine how small that is, right? If a newly hatched brine shrimp is only 450 microns um, in the, the, the microworms and stuff, they're, they're longer maybe than a baby brine shrimp, but they're so, so skinny, those microworms and vinegar eels that they work okay. Yeah, 450 microns, brine shrimp size. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Um, Kyle's Wild World. I freeze my brine after 12 hours and feed later. Yeah, you can totally do that. Mm -hmm. That works for fish that don't necessarily um, key in on movement. So there's a lot of fish that you can feed frozen baby brine shrimp to, no problem. Yeah, baby brine that is. Yeah, gotcha, Kyle. Um, th there are some fish that are kind of obligate predators that aren't that you're going to have a hard time eating moving things like uh, some of the wild type betta. Um, babies, some of the goby babies and gudgeon babies. I said that right. I didn't say gungeon, like gun with a glass of gin, violence and liquor, gungeon. I said gudgeon. It's like the first time on a live stream that I said the name of that fish correctly the first time. <laughs> um, 
Um, I have a friend that bred the South American leaf fish. And yeah, those little guys that had to move or they wouldn't touch it. But in general, most fish, that's true. You can freeze them and feed them. Um, the reason I prefer live is just because I can put them in. And if I come back six hours later, they're still hopping around. So I'm not polluting the tank. Um, but, but yeah, freezing them is definitely a good option for extending their life and their nutritional value. Not their life. Extending the life of the food, the, the feed time life. <laughs> They're dead when you freeze them. You know what I mean. Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> but yes, I'm agreeing with Kyle. That'll work in a lot of instances. <laughs> um, Doug, good idea. Kyle's, yep. Um, Dubrex21, I'm sorry about the name of plants. Um, most are assorted, but I do know I have small buse, dropped all leaves, and now has three or four new shoots. Good. Good. Some Anubius crypts are going great. Some unknown stem plants. Well, I'm glad they're growing for you. I'm glad they're doing well. That's awesome. Um, what kind of fish do you have with them? I'm just curious. Is it like a, a signature planted tank where the plants are the feature? Uh, or is it a fish tank that has plants in it? Um, Candy Overholes. Hi, everyone. Well, hey, Candy, welcome. Everyone's saying hi to Candy. High fives, all that good stuff all for candy. Um, Aqua Apprentice. Phew! Thought you skipped me because I did something wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. So, Candy, if you ever want to frighten Aqua Apprentice, just, just don't acknowledge, right? Yep. That'll... Ah. <laughs> oh, she would never. Well, I guess we're not going to have that fun happen. All right, Dub, I'm from Australia, and most plants don't come with names apart from the most known in the hobby. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, Australia, I, I wish I knew more about the hobby there. Um, I'm a member of several groups that are rainbow fish based, and it seems like there's a lot of native fish keepers in Australia, Australia that go catch gobies and gudgeons and, um, and rainbow fish and keep them, which I think is really cool. Um, I do know that you don't have access to as many different types of aquarium fish as we do here, that there's maybe a lot of banned species and stuff like that, and that fish tend to be pretty expensive there. But it seems like there's a really thriving hobby in Australia. seems like there's a lot of fish keepers there, and probably more that keep native fish than in the United States that keep native species from the U.S., so. Yeah, it's interesting how each country due to regulations and things, how that shapes the hobby in different ways. Um, all right. Tilapia, I got 23 more tanks on the dollar sale. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it. It is futile not to do it. Kyle's Wild World. Yeah, I've had, I have had stream chats do that too. Seems like it does it to everyone. Yep. Yeah, I just got to restart first. That's what I'm doing. 54 punchy, 23. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot. Except for Tilapia, how many tanks do you have total? Like, how many total gallons are we? I guess if you don't mind, I mean, it's fine if, you know, not everyone wants to reveal everything about their setup, and that's cool. But I'm curious if you're okay with it, like, how many tanks you have and, like, how many gallons total you're working with. Because 23 new tanks for tilapia might not, might not be that many. I mean, if you're breeding lots of tilapia, I imagine there's a lot of aquariums. Um, all right. Aqua Apprentice, 
dream is smooth tonight. Yeah, so far so good. Oh, I need some wood to knock on. Yeah, that'll have to do. Um, yeah, so far so good. So that's my strategy. I, I'll keep the different settings and then I'm just going to restart before each live stream. So Kai's Wild World. Holy clap, Tilapia. That's a ha. Kyle's Wild World. Cool idea about freezing. Thanks. Yeah, everyone. Props to Kyle for, for sharing that. Uh, 54 Punchy, about three-fourths to one inch. Yeah, the anchors. The eggs are tiny inside a gel. Oh, really? Like a snail egg? Like, like pond snail eggs? Is it like an egg mass surrounded by gel? Wow. That's pretty cool. You don't see that a lot in freshwater fish. Um, that sounds really interesting. Man, I hope you can raise them. Um, if the microworms prove to be too small, um, and you know, something else you might want to do is feed microworms, but also a tiny powder food, but like shake it up first so it sinks. And if that doesn't work, then I guess rotifers or paramecium might be the next thing to try next time around. Um, man, I hope you have good luck with them. That would be so cool. Melody, in, in how many eggs are in, like, does one female drop, like, one egg case? Um, in how many eggs can a female drop? I mean, they're such a small fish. I'm just curious. Uh, but they're catfish, so they might have a lot of eggs at once. Um, yeah, how many eggs per thing or per female, I guess, is the question. Melody, Dubrex21, hello from the Gold Coast. All right. Welcome. So Gold Coast are, are oh man, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but is that Africa? Is that West Africa, the Gold Coast? I, I think so. But gosh, if I'm wrong, don't hate me. <laughs> I failed the geographies in, in, in high school. Um, Kyle's Wild World, Hangar, no problem. It's really nice to always have bead, baby brine shrimp. Plus it always, it's always cheaper than buying. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they charge an arm and a leg for that stuff. If you buy your brine by the pound, yep. Plus a pound of brine shrimp eggs. So anyone who's like, well, I want to breed fish, but I've only got a tank or two of fry, and so it's probably not worth it. Just spend the, what are brine shrimp eggs per pound now? Um, 50 bucks? Is that about where they're at? I don't know. Um, but if you get that, if you keep them, in the fridge and keep them from getting moisture in them, they're going to last forever. You'll have like brine shrimp eggs for a decade. So 50 bucks to be able to raise fry for 10 years. I don't think that's an exaggeration. If you only have a tank or two of fry, I mean, they last forever. Um, so anyone that's just on the fence about getting baby brine shrimp or brine shrimp eggs, well, they're really cysts, but um, about hatching their own, because the, the initial cost of a pound is a little expensive, um, it's going to last forever. Um, on that note, so you have to keep them from getting moisture inside. So what you, a strategy for that is take a small portion of the eggs out, put them in like a freezer Ziploc bag, um, and you use those eggs. And then you take the rest of the eggs and you seal them in another bag, a really thick millimeter bag, like four to eight millimeters maybe. And you keep that sealed until that first batch is gone. And then you open that. And if you do, 
if you divide the pound of eggs into a bunch of these sealed um, little packets, then you prevent moisture from getting in them. And it's moisture and heat that are the enemy of, of brine shrimp eggs, um, especially moisture. If they get hot enough too, that's a problem. They, they can take some heat though. I mean, it gets hot on those salt flats in the summer. I've been there. Um, but hot enough will definitely kill them. So in the freezer, individually sealed packets, enough in the packet to last you for a few months. And, uh, and you can keep them that way for years. So that's just a trick to getting the most life out of your brine shrimp eggs or cysts as, is it cyst or sight? Yeah, I think it's cyst as possible. Um, 54 Punchy, if you can't find anything on the internet on raising eggs, I just say it is rare to breed in captivity. Oh yeah, that's true. If people have bred it, there's info out there. Uh -huh. Well, man, I hope you have luck. That sounds really exciting. Greetings from Victoria. Well, welcome. So I'm imagining that's Australia, Victoria. Is Victoria in Canada? Okay, I'm gonna stop talking about any places because it just shows my ignorance to a degree that's embarrassing. <laughs> oh man, gotta stick with fish, something I know. Geography, uh. um, <laughs> so forgive any dumb questions or responses I give to any like place names. Um, all right, so Kyle's Wild World. Dan, where do you buy your brine shrimp? Brine shrimp direct. Um, I have bought from brine shrimp direct, but um, not for a while. I, I get them from a wholesale supplier. Um, and, and I'm reluctant to say to reveal the sources, but the last batch of cans I got was from a wholesaler in Los Angeles. And that was probably seriously 10 years ago. I bought a bunch of cans of it and they're still as good as the day I bought them. Um, still 90% hatch rate, something like that. So if they last forever, if you keep them from getting wet and if you don't keep them hot. Um, in fact, that's the brine shrimp's entire survival strategy, right? They live in these horrible conditions. And so the uh, cysts are, are designed to be able to be like completely desiccated, just completely dry and, and just last forever. They, they just, I mean, it's not forever, of course, but they can last a long, long time. And I forget, I mean, people have done studies where they've taken super old eggs and then hatched them. And I don't remember how old they were, but, um, the number popping in my head was like a hundred years, but that could be totally wrong. I, I don't remember, but, um, it was a long time. I remember that. And yeah, I'm, I'm still hatching 10 year old eggs just fine. No problem at all. Um, but yeah, Brine Shrimp Direct, I've bought from them before. I uh, didn't have a problem. I've bought other things from them as well. I think they sell the Golden Pearls as well. I think I got some from them at one time. Um, tilapia, San Francisco, new hatch, 450, um, what was that measurement? Micrometers, nanometers, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's the size of the San Francisco. All right. Um, pork Slinger. Hello. Well, hello, Pork Slinger. I feel like that needs to be the name of like a sandwich shop. Um, there used to be the sandwich shop around where I grew up called Squealers. 
And all it was was pulled pork sandwiches. Like that's all they served. It was like you could have peel, and it was only one kind. So they just made all this pulled pork and threw it on bread. And I think you could select a couple different kinds of bread, like white or wheat, and you could select uh, pickles or chips and a soda. And that was it. But they were so good that everyone went all the time. So every time I see the name Pork Slinger, I think of that little restaurant. <laughs> but anyway, welcome, Pork Slinger. Glad you are here. Um, let's see. And Wichita. Hello. Hey, welcome, Wichita. I'm glad you made it. Aqua Apprentice. Low Gungeon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gungeon instead of Gudgeon. I don't know why. I think a lot of times I, I learn a name the wrong way at first, and then I can never recover. It's just, it's locked in my brain wrong. Yeah. Gun, gin, violence and alcohol. It's what sells movies. Well, I guess sex sells too, but whatever. Aqua Apprentice, Pork Slinger in Wichita. Hello. Yes. Yes. Melody, best food for Corydoras fry. I have 23 day old bronze Cory fry. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, couple things about those. First, they're going to grow so fast. Like they're going to be a quarter inch before you know it. Like in a week, maybe they could be that in two weeks, but they grow really fast. So you got to give them a ton of food. Um, and even if they haven't absorbed their yolk sac completely, they're probably still going to start eating. So I wouldn't wait until they're completely absorbed I would wait until you see them swimming with some control, but they might still have some yolk sac. And then great food for them is just microworms. Um, they're small. They last a long time in the water. So they'll live for an entire day, like morning till night in the water. Excuse me. And, um, and they stay on the bottom. So microworms, Walter worms, banana worms, any of those little nematodes, uh, will do great. Um, and that's what I would put them on for the first few days. They'll also take baby brine shrimp. Once the yolk saps sac is completely absorbed, you can test out a little baby brine shrimp, um, and see if they'll eat that. And as long as the light isn't drawing them up to the surface, like in a corner at the surface, then the baby brine shrimp will kind of settle down to the bottom eventually and just kind of hop around on the bottom and the quarries can eat that. Um, once they're a little bigger, like once they're developed enough that you can see the little pectoral fins and the little whiskers on the mouth, and that happens pretty quickly, then you can try some rapashi, just a tiny bit of rapashi, um, made up rapashi. Not just the not just the dry powder, but made up rapashi. You can put that in there, and pretty quick, within a few days, they'll learn to go and eat the rapashi. And once they start doing that, they are easy to raise. So, um, I have some that are, oh, how old now? Maybe two weeks. They're over a quarter of an inch now, and they've been eating rapashi for a week. Are they older than two weeks? I can't remember, but they've been eating rapashi for a while. And once they do that, then I just put rapashi in there in the morning and leave it in there until the evening. And they chew on it all day long, which is great for them. And then in the morning, I'll put in, say, microworms. 
and then the next morning I might put it put in some brine shrimp. And so I keep the rapashi in front of them pretty much the whole time, but then I supplement that with um, microworms or brine shrimp. And when, when I say microworms, I'm talking about microworms, banana worms, and Walter worms. They're pretty much the same thing. There's some size differences, some girth differences, but they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, once the fish is a certain size, it can eat all three. So, but that's what I find works well. In in with those guys, it's super important to keep them clean because they eat a ton and they generate a lot of waste. So change that water as much as you can. You know, four times a day is not too much by any means, um, if you can do that. Yep. And just like rainbow fish fry or any other fry, I treat them the same. Before I feed them, I change the water completely. And that'll get them through their first few weeks um, in, in good order. So I hope that helped, uh, Melody. Um, and how about anyone else? What do other people do to raise their quarry fry? If, if you've raised quarry fry in the past, what did you do? Because that's the way I do it, but there's as many ways to do it as there are fish keepers. So I'm curious what other people uh, might have for Melody. So if you could let us know, that would be awesome. Rich Andy, hey, Dan. Well, hey, Rich, welcome. Kyle's Wild World. Hey, Wichita Falls Fish Keeper, I just saw your command, your comment on Insta. Melody, okay. Um, and then to Melody, I try microworms since they will sink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kyle's Wild World, hard to find microworms. Ooh, I bought Hikari First Bites and Ground Flake. Um, can you, they might be fine eating baby brine shrimp right away too. Um, if you can take the flake and just smash it down to a powder and then shake it up and pour it in there, you might get some results from that. There's just no substitute for live food though. I mean, even if you're using the powdered food, having some kind of live food in there is just an insurance thing. Um, through all the years I've been keeping fish, I have in general, there are some species that matters less, but in general, if I can feed live food, I get much higher survival rates and much more rapid growth than if I can just feed a prepared food. So um, if you can, my, uh, if microworms are out, then if you, can, if you can get brine shrimp, hatch those and try them. But if, if all you can get is Hikari first bites and ground flakes, then, then you got to use what you have. Um, but man, live food makes a huge difference if there's any way to get it. it it's just, it, it, it doesn't start decomposing right away like prepared foods do. So it creates waste, but it takes longer for it to start creating waste, which uh, helps your, you keep the water cleaner. And then also just the fact that it's, uh, you know, moving and alive, fish seem more attracted to it. So... But if all you can do is the is small flakes or powders or grind up some something or use the hikari, then that's what you got to do. Just just make sure it sinks because that's where those little baby quarries are going to be down at the bottom. Dubrex cube aquarium injection CO2 no ferts no soil. Oh cool. I use rainwater no chemicals. Dedicated to blue rams black phantoms so black phantom tetras I would imagine and growing out some small bristlenose. Oh, cool, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. That seems like a beautiful tank. Uh, Rams on the bottom, 
Phantom Tetras. Phantoms are awesome. They're just beautiful. And Bristle Nose. That sounds great. Um, yeah. Seems like an awesome tank. Could watch that for a day. Um, okay. Lost the chat. Let me scroll up. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. What else? Melody, you're on Gold Coast, right? Um, yeah, I don't. Okay, I'm going to skip to the next thing. Um, I was trying to think what other like small live foods could help with the quarries that she's raising. But um, yeah, I think I gave you all I got. Um, tilapia, 350 tanks. Okay, so tilapia just got 23 tanks. And it's like, man, that's a ton. But listen to what he's got. 350 tanks. I have a lot of vats and pools as well. So over 50,000 gallons at the moment. It will more than double this year. That sounds awesome. So you've got to be hiring employees pretty soon, right? If you don't already, because that's a big operation. Man, I'm glad it's going well for you. I'm glad you're expanding. I'm glad that you're able to uh, find buyers for what you produce. I'm glad it's going well. I'll think of you next time I'm at the store and I buy a bag of tilapia fillets. <laughs> I'll be like, hi, I wonder if these came from tilapia store. <laughs> so yeah, 50,000 gallons. So um, that's an impressive operation. And I'd imagine they're mostly bigger tanks. I think we talked about that at one time, except for the maybe the, the rearing tanks, right? Kyle's Wild World, could you find a vinegary eels? Well, Dan just mentioned paramecium. Oh, yeah. It, since you can make paramecium with filter more mold. Yeah, that's a great idea, Kyle. Melody from Gold Coast, Queensland. Oh, okay. Australia, not, uh, not Africa. Yeah, so Melody, um, paramecium or infusoria cultures could be, could be great. I would highly recommend, um, let me pull up this video from David Ramsey for you on how he makes uh, infusoria or paramecium from sponge filter gunk. Um, so just give me a moment, folks, so I can uh, look this up and get this link. And oh, oh, hang on. Now I'm getting this the radio guy. There's the other one, David Ramsey. That's the one I want. Um, and his videos. Hopefully I can find it real quick. If not, I'll just link his channel to you and, um, and then you can look through his videos and find it. But he has this great video on how he basically takes, um, his sponge filters to, to jumpstart his culture. And I forget if he calls it paramecium or infusoria. Um, so, so paramecium is kind of like a specific name for an organism. An infusory is just a generic name for small things like paramecium and other organisms like that. At least that's my understanding of it. Um, and I'm not seeing it right here and I don't want to take an hour searching for it. So let me just link his channel here for you. And um, Melody, if you look at that, that might be a good solution. Not as good as microworms because they tend to swim around a lot in the water column and maybe not settle to the bottom of the aquarium as much as microworms would, but, um, 
but check out David Ramsey's channel in that video about how he uses the sponge filters to jumpstart him. And he uses turnips. So he'll take like an inch square of dried dehydrated turnip and he'll put that in a container of water, squeeze some sponge filter gunk in there. And then in a few days, he's got, well, a few days, it could be a week. I don't remember exactly, but he's got uh, infusoria he can feed out. So yes, Kyle, that is an excellent idea for someone who can't get microworms. Yeah, that's a food anyone can grow anywhere because it's just in every aquatic environment almost. So great. Um, thanks, Kyle. I appreciate that. Aquatic Apprentice, tilapia store. Wow. It doesn't look like a ton of eggs. So we're back to the uh, anchor cats. Maybe a dozen. Okay. So tiny eggs in a gel pouch, about a dozen from a female. Yeah, that's interesting to know. Man, I, I can't wait, 54 Punchy, to hear about your experience. I, I hope you're successful because I want to hear all about it. Um, what an interesting little fish. Uh, Dubrex21, what a great stream. Well, thanks, Dub, and thanks for making it great. You and everyone else who's uh, in here helping each other out, like Kyle helping Melody out. That's, that's what we need. We need people in here chiming in. Um, so please, if someone's asking a question or wants help, uh, please, please chime in. That'd be great. Many minds, right? Stronger than one. Um, but thanks, Dub. I'm glad you're here and I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. So Melody's going to tell us exactly. Victoria, Melbourne, Australia. Okay, we got it. <laughs> we got it. See, here and here I'm thinking like the West Coast of Africa and I don't know why. Oh, I think I was thinking of the Ivory Coast. That's what it was. Yep. Candy overholes. Lol, it's a fish channel, not geography. Yes, and thank goodness because... <laughs> <laughs> me doing a geography channel. Yes, that would be bad comedy is what that would be. Just really bad comedy. So not comedy, it'd just be bad in the end. <laughs> um, Aqua Apprentice, my geography knowledge is just sad. Must have slept through that class. You know, when I took it, I remember I knew them all. And then just over the years, it's all gone bye-bye. Um, and plus, plus, Names keep changing, like there's new countries and countries go away and all these things and just, ugh, yeah. But it does make me feel a little bit uh, ignorant, like I should know what's going on in the wider world a little better. I'm, I'm too insulated in my bubble and I realize that, but that's how it is right now. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Aqua Apprentice. Okay, just read that. Candy. We all have our strengths, yes, and our weaknesses, right, Candy? And mine are apparent. <laughs> That's one thing about doing a live stream. There's no hiding. It's, uh, it's right out there. Um, when you make a video, you can edit out stuff and make it look any way you want to. But live stream, <laughs> this is the real Slim Shady right here. <laughs> You're seeing it. Um, Kyle's Wild World. If you've seen my wall in my living room, you know I suck at geography too. That's why there's a world map behind me. Yep, yep. We've got one um, at our kitchen table on the wall by our kitchen table because we found we were always in these conversations with our kids and we'd have to be like, no, here's Australia and no, here's this. And, and we wanted to be able to just show them right there. And so, but even with that map, it's been on our wall for six years. Yeah, I still don't know it. Um, but anyway... Candy scene, Kyle's well. Interesting, interesting. So you guys must live close together, huh? Or maybe in a video. Candy scene, Kyle's map. JW Aquariums. Hey, everyone. Smiley. Well, hey, everyone. Back. 
There's your smiley. Um, JW, glad you're here. Aqua Apprentice. Yeah, Kyle, I need to do that as well. Teach myself and my kids at the same time. Yeah, that was the that was our idea. Obviously, I didn't teach myself. <laughs> Hopefully, the kids learned something. <laughs> Tilapia Store, hit the like button. Yes, Tilapia is a wise, wise man. Do hit the like button. That would be wonderful. Pork Slinger. Well, I run a barbecue restaurant called Roadhog Barbecue. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, one day, Pork Slinger, I hope to go eat some of your barbecue. That would be awesome. Now I'm hungry, says Aqua Apprentice. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> Aqua Apprentice, I have a pulled pork sandwich and some sweet barbecue sauce, please. Uh, yep, yep. Well, we're all going to order now, Pork Slinger. So figure out a way to like instant send that stuff over, right? We need a 3D printer that can like transport stuff over great distances instantly. That's what we need. Um, Michael Cosader. Hi, Dan. Sorry, late to the party. No problem, Michael. Um, you know, you can just, just watch the upload later if you want to learn about breeding rainbow fish we talked about and uh, my nappy beard and some other stuff that might be interesting. But glad you're here. Welcome. Priscilla, MK Art, hello. Well, hello, Priscilla. And by the way, I love your art. I, I just want to tell you that. Um, I love your take on the fish when you, I don't know, I, I think it's so interesting how each artist has, is like a different lens to the world, right? Because we all have a different life experience. So we all see things and experience things differently. Oh no, it buffered. No, don't start that. And so it's so interesting to me how um, to see how different people interpret things through art. So I love your take on it, Priscilla, kind of that to me, it's like a bright and happy take on the fish that you that you uh, and I don't know precisely if it's a painting or a drawing, but that you render. How's that? That you depict through your art. So welcome, Priscilla. Glad you're here. Um, lots of highs back and forth from Priscilla. Priscilla, hey, my battery is at 2%. My mobile charger thing isn't charged. Well, hi, Priscilla. Bye, Priscilla, I guess. <laughs> Steve, what's up, Dan? You the man. Well, what's up, Steve? You the lacan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a good one, but thanks, Steve, and welcome. Shoot, it's buffering. I hope, I hope it just... Mm, man, I hope that that doesn't cause us to lose the stream early because... This is a good stream. I'm having fun. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure. Have you ever messed with Daphnia? Yeah, Doug, I've raised Daphnia. Um, and I'd like to do it again. I think they're awesome. They're a great food. Um, the thing I found with them is you need a really, really large container in order to make the um, culture stable enough that, that it doesn't crash on you. So the bigger the culture container, the better. A few hundred gallons would be great um, to get good yield and not have them crash. I don't keep them now because where I live now, the water is so, so soft. Just absolutely no hardness to it at all, which is really bad for the Daphnia. So, um, so I've done it in the past, but um, I don't do it anymore. Yep. Dan, Soylent Green or Spawn and Grow? Um, I... I use community. I have Soylent Green, which is um, 
Is it Soylent Green? The one that's just pure vegetable matter. I have that one um, because I have the Florida flagfish and I have some live bears that like algae in their diet and things like that. So I tend to give the, supplement their food a little bit with that. But in general, every other fish just gets the community blend because it's a nice balance. Um, and I don't have any trouble getting fish to spawn on that because Rapashi lets me keep the food in front of them so much. So, oh good, stream health is back. Well, we lost most people, but that's expected when the stream health goes to red. And I don't know what happened, um, but whatever, we're back. So we'll keep going here. So Wichita, um, I usually use just the community blend of the Rapashi. I haven't messed with spawn and grow. Um, my feeling is that, so spawn and grow has higher protein and higher fat, I believe, if I remember right. And I just feel like the community is a good balance of proteins um, and fats along with, you know, some veggie in there and stuff. So that's generally what I stick to. Um, Steve, I just crushed up tropical granules into dust. Yep, absolutely. If you need a fine powder food to feed some fry, crush up flakes, crush up granules, anything like that. A little mortar and pestle is, is great. Like you use in chemistry class, you know, to grind up those chemicals. That, that does a great job for that. Um, oh, lost the chat. Let me scroll up. Melody, what about mosquito larvae? Have heaps of them. Oh, that's excellent. Yes, that's an excellent food. Um, it probably won't work very well for the Corydoras because they're going to be on the bottom. And the mosquito larvae, unless they're scared and wriggling, are going to stay at the top. So unfortunately, it, mosquito larvae won't work well for Corydoras. But for almost any other fish, they're literally like the perfect food. They're what a lot of fish thrive on uh, in the wild. So if you have a source of mosquito larvae, that's awesome. I used to. I used to have a pond, um, that just a, a natural pond, but there would be seasons when there would be a lot of mosquito larvae in it. There would be seasons when there would be a lot of Daphnia in it. And then I also would barrel culture mosquito larvae sometimes. Um, which is awesome, but I don't have that now. But yes, mosquito larvae are excellent for almost any fish, um, but bottom feeders like Cory's, they might not be able to get to them very well. A, a trick you can take if you, if you can do if you wanna feed mosquito larvae to fry is if you collect the egg rafts, um, those little floating rafts of eggs that the mosquitoes lay in the water, if you collect those and put them in fry tanks, then when they hatch, they're tiny little things and the fry will just gobble them up. They're, they're awesome. Um, unfortunately though, for the Corydoras and Neas that you have the bronze quarries, they're probably not gonna work as a, as a steady food. Um, Steve, the tropical granule dust goes to the bottom. Yep, yep. Wichita Falls, I'm making Soylent Green while listening. Yep, Soylent Green is not people, thank goodness, but it's a great food for the veggie eaters. Um, what I, I usually don't like feeding Soylent Green by itself. Um, I have, and it works okay. Fish don't, it has a different texture though, and fish don't seem to like really latch onto it super well. Um, but I found that if I mix it with say the Rapashi Community Blend, then it works great. Um, and, and it works by itself too. I just think the fish like it better when it's mixed with the Community Blend in my experience. Bob Clater. Um, so Wichita, what do you feed it to? I'm curious if you're feeding just the Soylent Green, is it like Trophius or, 
are there um, you know some some plecos you're getting veggies into, or what do you use just the Soylent Green for? I'm just curious, or is it just a supplement for a community tank to get some veggies in there occasionally? Bob Clater, my rainbow cichlids, oh yeah, are almost four weeks old. Pulled to a grow-out tank, eating frozen Daphnia, baby uh, brine, micropels, and crushed flakes. They come to the top for feeding when I tap the tank rim. Yeah, cichlids are like that. They're so super smart that they, they real quickly learn where the food comes from, right? And they'll go right to it. Well, that's awesome. How big are they at four weeks? Um, four weeks, quarter inch-ish, half inch-ish maybe on rainbow cichlids, I'm guessing. Um, or are they bigger already? I guess it depends, but... I'm curious how big they are. Melody, there are things we cannot get because of our quarantine laws. We can't get first bites. Oh, man. Which I know my fish would love. Yeah. Yep. Regulations can... Uh, sometimes we've got to find a way to get alternate things because of them. 54 Punchy, we're, we'll far well eat green beans. I'm looking for a food to alternate with the rapashi the farewell I have eat a lot. Yeah, I would definitely try it. Um, I have to confess that I've never actually tried that. I, I wasn't savvy onto the green bean trick back when, when, um, I had farewellas, um, his stores and wholesalers and things. Um, they're not a fish I have much experience with or any really, I think in the fish room, maybe I've kept some, um, but usually it was at stores and wholesalers I was working at. So um, I, at that point, I wasn't hip to the green bean thing, um, so I never tried them, but I bet they would. Um, Farwellas, though, something to keep in mind is, yes, they'll eat vegetable matter and things, but offswatch is what you really want to give them a lot of. I think if you look into it, um, and someone else who keeps farwellas, can you chime in? Um, again, I'm not the most versed with them, but I believe if I remember from my research and stuff that that off swatch is what they eat mostly and the veggies are a nice supplement but um i think that you'll kind of want to get some of that into their diet and what that is is just kind of that a uh, microfilm of different organisms that grows on rocks and especially on wood and things like that um so it's not just plant material there's crustaceans in that there's little organisms that provide protein and in fats and things like that so um, so yeah, um, just keep that in mind with them, but yeah, I, would you try the green beans and let us know, or if anyone else uses green beans with farwellas, would you, would you let us know? I have a feeling they would eat that just fine. Um, tilapia, I'm a one man show, my friend. Well, it's quite the show. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's automated. Um, that many tanks, that's a full-time gig then, right? Tilapia, that's gotta be. That's gotta be, that's huge. Like, yeah, once you hit a certain number of tanks, uh, even automated, that's a full-time gig. <laughs> um, Susie O'Connor, Susie Q O'Connor. Hello everyone. Well, hello all Susie Q O'Connors. Um, Dan's fish, oh, that's the, uh, that's the link to that video. I hope it helps, the David Ramsey video. Uh, Wichita, David Ramsey has great info. I love his videos where he puts brine shrimp in a bin with a heater, airstone and light and feeds spirulina powder. They end up breeding, it's crazy. Yeah, spirulina powder, spirulina powder, spirulina powder, I think. Yep, 
on videos. Oh, he's see, Candy's seen uh, Kyle's map on videos. So you don't live next to each other. Well, that's too bad, but that's fine. Uh, as well, where are we? Aqua. Got to call it a night. Good night, everyone. Well, good night, Aqua. Thanks for hanging out. Porkslinger. I'm in PA, but y'all are welcome anytime. Well, good. One day. One day, Porkslinger. Debrex21. Here in Australia, we come from the future. Currently Thursday 8th, 2 p.m. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. Time's such a construct, isn't it? Um, so can you tell me my future on Thursday? What do I have to look forward to? <laughs> Candy, Priscilla is amazing for sure. Yeah, she's quite the artist. I love her take on things. Debrex, I have two batches of eggs for my blue rams. Awesome. Both lots have been eaten. Not awesome. Hopefully they learn. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, I think the issue with blue rams is that in general, they've just been commercially bred in such numbers for so long that um, they might be losing their parental instinct a bit. Um, I tried a few more times. Hopefully they get the hang of it. Um, and it, you know, it's also a question of, is there something else in the tank that's stressing them out or anything like that? Other fish that, because oftentimes if a fish spawns, if it's in a situation where it feels like there's no hope, often the fish will eat the spawn because why give that energy to an enemy species when they could reabsorb that energy for their own species and make it more likely that they can reproduce in the future, right? So it's kind of a, I don't know, a evolutionary kind of drive kind of thing, if you will, survival kind of thing. Um, so given the if, if that's not the case, if the parameters are good and there's nothing stressing them out and all that stuff, if they're just new at it, you know, yeah, try it a few more times. But there are situations where, or sometimes pairs are just incompatible too, um, just like people, right? Um, but I think what's happening is the big commercial farms that breed these, they pull the eggs and they artificially incubate them. And we've done that for a long time, long enough that we've been able to walk uh, gold strains and electric blue strains. And I think they have like balloon strains. Ugh. Sorry. I mean, if you like them, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not like morally opposed to them, but why would you want to mess with a ram? <laughs> They're awesome. But anyway, so think of the amount of breeding it takes to, to find those mutations and select them and solidify them and all that. So tons and tons of generations captively bred where the eggs are being pulled. And so um, when that happens, there's no, there's no, nothing keeping the parental instinct intact. So I, f I find that um, sometimes with rams, um, that can be an issue. So hopefully yours work out, but if not, um, just know that it's probably, it might not be anything you're doing. It, it could just be that that strain has been captive bred so long without having to be a parent because the eggs are pulled um, that they just don't know what to do anymore. Um, so sometimes that happens. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it's successful. And I don't know why I went dark like that, but um, sorry. But I guess I wanted to say sometimes we do things perfectly and it's still, even if it doesn't work out, there's no, it's not necessarily something we're doing wrong. Okay, moving on. Steve. Where can I order them white cheek gobies? Do you sell fish? Why, yes, Steve, I have several white cheek gobies available. Um, I'll put the link here for you. 
to the white cheek gobies from my website. So that's an option. You can also look at Aquabid. Um, sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes you can find them in a pet store. Um, and if you can, if you can find them locally, then by all means, get them locally. As long as it's a good quality store and all that. But here's a link to the ones I have for sale. Um, if you're interested. Okay, I just pasted that down below. So yeah, I definitely have them um, and they're doing great and they're an awesome fish. I really like that fish a lot. In fact, I just got an update from uh, someone I sent a bunch to, sent them a couple weeks ago and we were worried because the package was delayed. Like it didn't get there till Saturday, I don't think, or Friday, something like that, something ridiculous. Um, and so been keeping tabs and they're, they're doing great still. So they're a hearty little fish. They're pretty awesome. Um, all right, Lumpy Dog in the house. Well, hey, Lumpy Dog, welcome to the house. Wichita, supplement food for the super red bristle nose and my cherry shrimp and mystery snails. Thanks for the tip for the community blend. I'll try it. I shopped around and found that Ken's is the cheapest. Okay, so Wichita is using the Soylent Green for uh, red bristle nose, cherry shrimp, mystery snails. Cool. And Ken's fish is the cheapest right now for Rapashi. Oh, well, that's interesting. Now, just so you know, um, Rapashi has, um, Rapashi contractually, if you're selling Rapashi, Rapashi has done this thing where they have price limits. So people can't sell it under a certain price because they don't want like Amazon to buy 50,000 batches and sell it at half the cost that a mom and pop store can. They're really trying to serve the hobby by doing that. They're trying to keep it so mom and pop stores can be competitive and things like that. So often with Rapashi, um, it's worth shopping around a little bit, but often you'll find that everyone has pretty much the same price because Rapashi, the company, won't let you sell it for less than a, a given price. Um, and again, that might seem selfish at first, like Rapashi's trying to get more money um, for their product, but, but that's not what they're doing. They're really just trying to make it so that um, mom and pops and brick and mortars and things can compete with the massive chains and, and the internet outlets and things like that. So, um, so Ken's fish the cheapest, cool. Uh, now I'm curious, I'm gonna look and see if he's, well, I'm not gonna talk about that online, but I wonder, what, I wonder if he's honoring the uh, contract because um, I know what the contract is. Uh, tilapia, 60 hours a week. I love it. I'm working on automating everything. Yeah, cool. It is awesome, isn't it? You're doing something you love and you're your own boss. I mean, that's great. <laughs> like you can get stuff done instantly. Something has to be done. You make the decision, you do it. That's what I like about doing stuff myself. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's other jobs where you know, you deal with bureaucracy and administration and things. And sometimes it's just like, man, it is taking forever to get anything done. So yeah, it's a lot of hours a week, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, plus who only works 40 hours a week anymore? I mean, is that even a reality anymore? Um, not in my world, it's not, but <laughs> if anyone out there does have that reality, I congratulate you. <laughs> so Hengar, I wonder what's in first bites that won't pass quarantine laws. Are other Hikari fish foods allowed? Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if it's something specific in the food or if it's just Hikari didn't kiss the ring of the government and 
agree to whatever agreement or whatever um, tax or tariff or whatever is on it. I wonder too, if it's the food itself or if it's the company. Um, pork slinger night. Well, good night. Sweet dreams of pork to you, pork slinger. Melody, I see in your future a period of lying prone with your eyes shut. Yes. <laughs> Why, thank you. I hope so at some point. It's always nice when that happens. Do you remember when you were a kid and your parents would send you to your room and it was like, it was like the worst thing ever. You were like missing out on life. But now, man, I wish someone was like, go to your room. I'd be like, yes, right into bed, right? Yep, it's funny how, how things change. Um, Melody, Hangar, first bites are foreign insects and bugs. Something they are trying to keep out of the country even though they are dried. Yeah, dried and powdered, right? Processed like completely. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I know Australia has some strict regulations. That's really strict though. But you know what, if my country was being overrun by what, what is it, rabbits and cane toads or something like that, you know, maybe I would be a little cautious too. I mean, I get it. Um, Hangar, bummer. But I guess that makes sense, yeah. Melody, Hangar 77, massive fines and potentially prison if you're caught deliberately breaking quarantine laws. That's what the Johnny Depp and dogs thing was about. Oh, yeah. Man, woo. Um, all right, well, we have been going for an hour and 20 minutes and we've reached the bottom of chat. So at this point, I think we're gonna call it. So thanks everyone for joining us. I had a great time. Sorry for that one point where everything was buffering so much. Um, I don't know what else to do about that. I'll, I'll keep trying and seeing if I can find better solutions. But, but besides that one little blip, I thought it went really well. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for helping each other out. Kyle, thanks for the thought about um, Paramecium for Melody. Um, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. And um, yeah, have a good night, everyone. We'll be doing this again next Wednesday at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And um, I hope we ha hear good things about um, the anchor catfish breeding. I hope it goes well. That's exciting to me. I've never... I've, I've never seen that fish and I've never bred that fish and I'm really curious about them. But um, all right, everyone. Good night. And I will catch you next time.